afternoon, everybody. I almost said good morning. I don't know when I'm ever going to stop doing that. My name is Meredith. We are so happy to see your faces in person today. Welcome to everyone in the room, and welcome to everyone joining us online. We know there are a lot of you out there joining us uh, later on in the week, and we're so happy you're with us. I'm just going to talk through some information today, and if anything doesn't apply because you're not in the room, don't worry. You can probably um, navigate that through our website. So welcome to all of you. Um, welcome to any guests in the room today. We know that visiting a church for the first time may be a little bit intimidating, but if there's any way that we can help you, serve you, make your first time uh, at Centerway a little bit more comfortable, we are happy to do that. Um, if you are a guest or if you just have information to update, um, we would love for you to share your information with us. We would love for you to fill out an information card uh, is one way to go about that. There's information cards in the back of the room and at the next steps uh, table. There are some other ways that you can uh, connect with us and update us. But first, I want to say there's um, you can do that through an app that we use called the YouVersion app or the Bible app. Um, and also on that app, you, you can, like I said, update your information there, but you can also do a number of other things there. You can take notes, you can follow along with the service, and you can even give um, through the app. So if you are interested in giving any other way, you can do that through our website on the give tab of our website, or you can do that in the offering box in the back of the room. However you choose to give, um, we certainly encourage you to be generous and live by that God principle. It's not a center way thing asking for money. It's just a way for us to have our finances submitted to God. So we love to be generous here at Centerway. If you have questions, ideas, if you had feedback, if you need prayer, whatever is on your heart today and or throughout the week, if you want to connect with us, the best way to do that is to email us at connect at centerwaychurch.com. There's lots of other things you can do throughout the week. You can um, download wallpapers for your phone or for your desktop. You can check out the Spotify playlist. We're actually you've been doing a lot of new songs during this series. So there's an essential series playlist that you can check out. And actually all of our old series playlists are still on Spotify. If there was a song during that that resonated somehow, you can check us out on social media, follow us there and see any updates that we give. And another way to um, connect throughout the week is the Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotionals. Our team does an amazing job um, with those and they go right along with the message. So today you're gonna hear a message this coming Monday, Wednesday, Friday, there's gonna be devotionals that go a little bit deeper into the text, into some of the Greek and, and such. And so just really, really good, really informative and just kind of keeps you engaged and reminding you to um, apply the text, which is always a good thing. You can visit our messages page for any of those resources that I just mentioned. And another page on the website you may wanna check out or the booth in the back is the Next Steps booth. And that's just a way for us to continue growing in our faith. No matter where you're at in your spiritual journey, there are ways for you to take next steps. And don't we all just want to move forward, right, in our faith? Um, and so some things that you can do, you can start serving. Serving is an incredible way to take next steps, but it's also a great way to meet people. It's really fun. Um, there are a lot of just low-risk opportunities if any of you want to kind of get your feet wet and serve. You can also be spiritually coached. We have an eight-week discipleship program, um, a one-on-one -on -one coaching, actually, I should say, um, where you can uh, spiritually coach and grow. You can get water baptized. You can become a centerway steward. We are going to have a clarity workshop coming up here soon. I don't have a slide for that. Don't worry. I don't want Joe to freak out like, what? Where's the Clarity Workshop slide? It's Joe's fault. Blame Joe. No, there's no slide. We will talk about that and dates um, soon. But another next step that you can take, and I do have something for this, is circles. Circles begin in a couple of weeks. Signups go live today. We are so excited. We love circles. For those of you who don't know what circles are at Centerway, they look like a weekday gathering of people that just desire to spend some time together, talk about how the message is impacting their life, and just unpack that, spend time, eat some food together. Um, it's a really good time. There's a circle for adults and there's a circle for students. So the adult circles start uh, February 11th. That's a Friday. The student circles start Thursday the 10th. Um, so we're really excited about that. Again, you can check that out on the Next Steps page. If you go to the Next Steps page, there'll be a circles tab and you can sign up right there. If you have any questions, you can talk to Claude or Eric or whoever's out at the Next Steps uh, table at the end of the day today. Um, but here's what, is what you can expect for the rest of the gathering today. Once I'm done talking here, I'm gonna pray. Kira's going to come up and read our scripture text for today. Claude's going to be communicating from the Bible, and then we're going to respond to the word by singing together. So let's pray. God, we know that the church, the big C church, not just Centerway, but the church was your idea. And we thank you for the opportunity to gather in this place together, to hear the word, to worship together, to be in the same place. We thank you for all of those that are online and gathering through a screen, as it were, and, and the ways that we can just all continue to grow together. We are so thankful. 
for your presence in this place. It really is what we're here for, and it really is what changes everything. And so just give us a heart to hear what your word is saying today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, everyone. We are reading Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. You could follow along on the screens or with the Bible app. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Thanks so much, Kira. You're trapped back here now. That's it. You have to stand there while I preach. <laughs> it's so weird. I had a nightmare just like that. Um, excited to continue in our series, Essential. And uh, Ephesians has been really life-giving and exciting to go through. And so um, excited to continue in that. Today, uh, the message is entitled specifically Love. And so we're going to talk about how love is essential. Love is essential. And um, Today's text is yet again one really long single sentence in the original Greek. Uh, it's the third of actually eight total really long Greek sentences found in Ephesians that we'll explore. Um, but uh, we're going to continue with uh, a foundational doctrine that Paul is kind of setting up that we've talked about in past weeks and that we'll continue to talk about as he gets more and more practical as we go deeper into uh, Ephesians. And before we start the conversation about today's text, I want to share um, an experience that I had. Um, this was probably uh, about five to ten years ago. And um, I was working with concrete at the time. I've shared a couple of stories about uh, my concrete days, but um, we were kind of prepping uh, this patio that we were going to pour. And as we we're kind of prepping it, um, I'm in there and I'm, I'm in the spot where we're going to pour the concrete and I'm doing some work with some of the forms. And all of a sudden, everybody starts talking really weird to me. If you've ever experienced what I'm going to talk about, you know what I mean right away. It's like they're talking this normal thing, like just normal, like, hey, Claude, how's it going? People laughing and stuff. And all of a sudden they're like, hey, 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 Claude. I'm like, yeah. Like, how you doing, man? Just, uh, just kind of stay still for a second. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wet you down real quick. I'm like, Okay. Now we mess with each other all the time, you know, pouring concrete friends, you know what I'm talking about, like just playing practical jokes on each other and, and all types of things. But this was entirely different. You know, like when the tone of voice and the look on people's face is telling you like something's wrong, <laughs> something's wrong. I don't know what's wrong, but something's wrong. And what's typical before a concrete truck will come, if you're not familiar with it, is you kind of wet uh, the, the ground down, the stone, and that way the concrete won't blow up on you. It won't kind of... Um, not literally blow up. It's called blow up. It's when it just dries really fast. And so you wet everything down and it's typical that you would wet someone's boots. So it's kind of a typical thing to do, but you don't normally speak to people that way. And they're all like, I, I have a snapshot in my mind that I wish I could share with you because it's just so weird. Like everybody's kind of frozen. There's like three guys there and they're all looking at me like, I don't know, I'm about to be eaten by something. And they're like, we're just going to wet you down, all right? I just, you know, don't move, stay still. I'm like, okay, is everything all right? They're like, yeah, yeah. So they just start wetting me down and stuff. And they're like, all right, just come a little closer. And they're wetting me and stuff. And I'm like, all right. And so they're wetting my boots. I'm like, dude, what the heck is going on? They're like, no, 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 just be calm. I'm like, all right. And so they're like, come here, come here. And they're like, okay, all right, you're good. You're good, come on out. And they're like, oh my gosh. I'm like, what are you guys talking about? What's going on? Like, dude, look at the corner. And so the corner of this house, uh, unbeknownst to me for sure, but they didn't realize it either, is we had disturbed a bee's nest. 
And so there were ground bees and they were literally all up and down the side of this house. And while I was standing there, they were just all over my boots, probably stinging my boots. I don't know, but they're crawling up my legs and everything. I had no idea. And here's the thing that you need to know about Claude. Um, I'm allergic to bees. So the person with the hose is also deathly allergic to bees. And he is kind of like in harm's way, wetting me down, but the whole time realizing like, if I get stung, like, am I going to die? Are they going to have an EpiPen? And of course they're joking around about how the EpiPen in the truck is like 10 years old. They don't even know if it works. And it's like, so, I mean, we were really nervous there. And so I was evidently just kind of covered in bees and had no idea. And they're like, come here, come here. And I'm like, what's wrong? And so I, I share um, the story because we kind of joked around. Um, he's like, I could have died, man. I literally put my life in danger for you. I'm like, I love you too, buddy. You know, we kind of laughed and kind of hugged each other and joked around about what we were going to do to kill all those bees so we could pour concrete that day. Um, and the reason I share the story is this. It might seem not super connected, but you'll understand as we move on. The question is, why is love so complicated? Like, what? Like, I love me some bees. Now, um, you'll understand a little bit more as I move on. The question is, why is love so complicated? And a knee-jerk reaction to this question may be, because people are selfish. That's why love is complicated, because people are selfish. And although that may be true, (laughs) uh, I want to submit to you that the answer is probably more personal than it is general. All right? Love is complicated because you are complicated. (laughs) This one's going to be even more surprising than that. And I just want to brace my wife, Meredith, for it. You're about to hear something you've never heard before. It hasn't entered into your mind or heart. Um, Nothing you can do can prepare you for what I'm about to disclose. I am complicated. I know, (laughs) right? Wow, what? (laughs) It's crazy. So the fact is we as humans are complicated. No one escapes that reality. And so love is complicated because we are complicated. Love requires trust. It requires vulnerability. Those two things are very dangerous words. They are uncomfortable words. As humans, we have trust limits. I want to say trust issues, but that sounds too harsh, but it's kind of what I mean. We have trust limits, all right? And and our limits are usually attached to the degree in which we think someone truly, authentically loves us. We're hardwired to protect ourselves, to protect our own self-interests. And there's a bunch of society that is encouraging that all around us. The the marketing leans into doing what it is for number one, take care of yourself. If you wanna do it, just do it, right? Our own self-interest. We say things like we desire authenticity, but then we often withhold who we actually are or what our motives are. Isn't that interesting? We require and want others to be authentic, but we refuse to be authentic or transparent. It's interesting that we demand from others that which we are ultimately unwilling to provide. Humans, we're so complicated, you see? We're complicated because we lack self-awareness. We're like the kings and queens of our own little kingdoms. And so... It stands to reason that most of our thoughts and ideas are purely, you know, innocent and our motives are pure and we're just misunderstood. It's not our fault. Like everybody else is really mean and everybody means to take out their meanness on us. And so we're the center of our own universe. You see, we're not opposed to trusting other people. It's really that it's a complicated scenario because we don't really ultimately know what their motives are. What complicates things even more when it comes to the conversation of self-awareness is that we're often slow, if not completely opposed to trusting other people's perspective, right? We know our own perspective, but do we trust their perspective? I mean, I'm standing there and they're talking to me kind of weird and I could have been like, dude, what's going on? And like turned around, but I could tell something was not right. And so I'm dealt with, am I about to be the, the uh, recipient of a practical joke that they're gonna laugh about for months? Or is something really wrong right now and I need to pay attention to what they're telling me to do as they spray a hose all over my feet? <laughs> 
We're opposed often to trusting other people's perspective. I mean, after all, what's their motive? What's their motive? You see, the human condition tells us to love so we can be loved. That's the human condition. Love so that way you can be loved. It's love with a motive. The gospel says love because you're loved. But the lie we believe that aligns with our motive tells us that we're probably rather unlovable, right? Why? Because we also know the depravity of our own soul. We know our own selfish motives. We know what it is that we intended to to do or to say and the way that we kind of candy-coated that or made it sound nicer than what we really mean. What can we do to break the cycle? I mean, overall, everything that I've shared is rather depressing. I'm sure you're super excited to have come to Centerway today. <laughs> like, wow, I am a hot mess, and other people are hot messes too. But today's text is about realizing how essential self-awareness is because without it, grasping how loved we are is virtually impossible. And we have to understand the essential reality of love. So let's read verse one together one more time. It says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins. (laughs) That's a cheery verse, right? There it is, like right up front and super clear. We were dead. We were dead. Our condition prior to salvation, for those of us that have crossed that line of salvation, prior to our salvation, we were spiritually dead. Spiritually dead. Listen, There are two types of people listening to me right now. Those that are spiritually dead currently and those that used to be spiritually dead. That's it. Two types of people. You're either one or the other. (laughs) We hate that, right? Like humans, specifically like Western humans, like Americans, they don't like ultimatums like that. We, We don't like the either or because we love the middle ground somewhere. We love to be somewhere in the middle, like kind of the exception. Like, now, come on, Claude. I mean, I understand I'm not perfect, but I mean, maybe I'm just a little spiritually sick. Not dead, right? I mean, can't I be somewhere in the middle? How about this? How about I'm spiritually ill, but getting better, right? I'm actually on the upswing of this whole spiritual death thing. (laughs) But that's not what scripture says. Scripture says either or. You are either spiritually dead or you're spiritually alive. Either or. You ever watch a movie where the main character is in danger but doesn't know it? Oh, I hate that. (laughs) I hate it so much. It's almost comical sometimes, depending on the type of movie you're watching. In fact, um, if I digress a little bit from the idea of a movie, if you've ever watched um, a Geico commercial, they're super entertaining. There's one Geico in uh, commercial in particular that starts with four people running through a field, and it's got this eerie setting to it. And they're like running and scrambling, and they're like scared, and they're looking behind them. And as they're running through the woods, all of a sudden they come upon this house that's like dimly lit, and it looks scary and eerie. And they're like, what are we going to do? And they're like, let's hide in the basement of that house. And they're like, no, we can't do that. And this girl looks over and she goes, guys, let's get in the running car and drive away. And it shoots over to this car that is just running right there with no one in it. And the guy looks at her and goes, what, are you crazy? We're not gonna do that. Let's hide in the shed behind the chainsaws. And they literally run into the shed and they're squatting down behind this whole wall of chainsaws. And the bad guy is there with a hockey mask and he pushes it up over his head and he looks at them and kind of rolls his eyes. <laughs> and the tagline is, in a horror movie, you make poor decisions. That's what you do. <laughs> like, in life, you make poor decisions. That's what you do. You know, but the, the, the comical reality of this commercial that they kind of capitalize is the reality of the movies. Now, I'm not a huge um, horror movie buff or anything like that. They don't really appeal to me. But you see kind of the poor choices that they continually make and obviously the commercials making light of it. I get so annoyed at movies in general, regardless of the genre, because the main characters always seem to be aloof. It's like they're just missing the perfect opportunity. They're always, you know, a little bit misunderstood. And you're like, oh my gosh, why don't you just talk to them? You know, or like, just wait one more second. 
Why didn't you, like, how did you miss each other? That seems impossible. I hate it when people are in danger and it's so incredibly obvious in a movie and yet they're completely unaware. Here's the deal. They lack awareness. And we've been awarded perspective so we know who the bad guy is. Like in that moment, we're like, they're a bad guy. Don't go out on a date with them, you know? Run away. They can't be trusted. Don't go in the shed with the chainsaws. You know, like, duh. We know all of these things. We understand the storyline. Why? Because we're outside of it. We have perspective. We have perspective that the people in the storyline don't have. The characters don't understand the context of their life. The point is this. They're in danger and don't know it. They're in danger and don't know it. Listen, you can be physically alive and spiritually dead. In danger and not even know it. Going through the rhythm of your life. Living life, quote unquote, to the fullest. I'm, I am so physically alive, man. This is awesome. And yet... There's an emptiness inside of you. And it's the spiritual death that you're suffering. But I want to tell you, there's one inside your story as well as outside of the story with perspective. Knows the beginning and the end. Will you trust him? Will you trust him? We'll see as we read on a little bit more clearly what I'm talking about. Verses two through three say this. It continues the sentence and death in trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived get this in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Once walked. Now Paul is speaking specifically to people that are already Christ followers, people that are spiritually alive. And so for those of you that are spiritually alive in this room, he's speaking to you in the context of understanding the perspective of the narrative of your life. And for those of you that are spiritually dead in the room, he is letting you know, listen, it doesn't have to be that way. It says once walked. It means lived or conducted our life following the worries, cares, and priorities of this world. Literally, the world shaping what it is that matters to us. Following the prince of the power of the air. This is a reference to Satan. It's a reference to Satan. And I believe that Satan is a real being. I don't think, I'm not the type of person that's like, you know, I drop something like, "Mm, it was Satan. Satan made me drop it. You know, like, it's raining out. Oh, devil. Man, I hate that. You old sleuth foot. (laughs) There's a real good reference for you. You'll have to ask your grandmas about that. I don't know. But in either case, there there are people, I know that there are people out there that, you know, just think that the devil's just, you know, running around just trying to, you know, make sure they end up in the slowest grocery line. All right, I'm not that type of person. I'm talking about the real... Uh, the reality of the fact that Satan is a being that wants to destroy us. And power here means authority. In the Greek, it means authority. So the mark, get this, the mark of the spiritually dead is one who lives giving authority and power to Satan by living according to the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and the mind. That we're literally, according to what Paul is saying, that we are literally giving authority over to Satan. That our one and only life, we're saying, listen, I'm going to live according to the worries and the cares of this world. I'm going to do whatever it is I want to do in the moment. If my body desires that, then I'm going to do it. If my flesh desires then I'm going to do it. I mean, after all, I'm an adult. I'm a teenager. I have freedom. I'm allowed to do whatever it is I want to do. We literally give authority over. Listen, we have to have some self-awareness and come to grips with our nature. We are sinners, physically alive, but spiritually dead. Left to ourselves, unaware of the danger, we pursue the passions and the desires of our body and mind. It says in the text, 
like the rest of mankind. Like your neighbors, like your friends, like your teammates, like all of that, right in the same mix. We can call it free because that's what we want. We want freedom of action. We can call it free and we can even call it authentic, but it's actually slavery to sin that ultimately leads to death. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that the most well-constructed deception? That our pursuit of freedom and authenticity is actually leading us to slavery and bondage. You don't believe that? Try to stop the things that your mind and bodies desire. And you'll find real quick that there's an addiction there. That you're in fact enslaved to the thing that you think you have the freedom of action in. Deception. Why? Because Satan is a liar. So as humans, we are spiritually dead by nature. But we, it says also that as a result of that, we are objects of God's wrath. Because that's what sin deserves. Wrath. And God is just. And so as a result, there has to be consequences for the sin, uh, the nature that we are born into, the sin of our lives. So why? Why does God provide a way for us to be spiritually alive? Why would he do that? Love. Love. Get this, not towards really innocent people that are super lovable. I mean, we're not kidding ourselves, are we? I hope you have enough self-awareness to realize like the depravity of your own soul. <laughs> and, and so the reality is you are not innocent. You're not an innocent bystander to this thing called sin. But he chose to love disobedient people who live their lives giving authority and power to Satan. Romans 5, 8 says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Often we mix that up because that's our conditional love. Our conditional love says, listen, treat me well first, prove to me you are trustworthy, and then I will award you a little bit of love. <laughs> There's a little bit of love, but you, you better earn it and you better consistently earn it. Like, what have you done for me lately? That's the way we function. And so because of that, we put that towards God and we say, listen, I'm gonna earn your love, God. And he's like, oh my gosh, you don't get it. <laughs> you will never be good enough. By nature, you are sinners, God in his love for you, for me, for humanity, acted on our behalf. So instead of living as slaves to the desires of our flesh, we can be free children of the living God. Free children of the living God. That is freedom. That freedom is actually in submission to the one who actually loves us. Let's read it. Verse four through five go on and says, but God being rich in mercy because of the, here it is, the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace, you have been saved. It's incredible. It's good news. It's the gospel. Because of love and by grace. This is essential. This is the bedrock. This is the foundation. Like if we can't grasp this, then it's going to be really hard for us to apply some of the things later on in Ephesians that are going to wrestle and kind of mess with the priorities of our life. We have to come to the reality of our own depravity and also understand what it is to truly be loved. You may say, listen, God shouldn't love me. Like based on what I've heard and maybe just even came into this place knowing, yeah, God really should not love me. If he knew the things I did, as if he doesn't, like I've heard people say that before. My favorite is they're like, I'd come to church, but the building would fall down. Like, are, are you coming on a bulldozer? I don't understand. Like, why in the world do you think that that would happen? But in either case, or in any case, huh? I did it. Anyway, in any case, you may say God shouldn't love me. And that's true. It's true. God shouldn't love you. But what's also true is that he does. He does. Despite it all, he loves you. And he proved it. He proved it. It's not conceptual. It's not someday. It's not maybe. No. Justice requires penalty for our sin. And God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And his son Jesus willingly died the death that we deserve. He paid our penalty for sin. 
You've hate it. That's love. That's love undeserved. That's love unconditional. And we can't grasp it. The closest we come, the closest we come is when we hold an innocent, precious little baby. Right? And for you mothers and fathers out there that you're like, hold that baby, you're like, oh my gosh, like my heart is now outside of my body. (laughs) How did this happen? I love this child so much. For brothers and sisters, even when you bring that child home, they're like, oh my gosh, and they're just doting over it. And then it starts to speak and you're like, all right, take it back. (laughs) Just kidding. I'm just kidding. The reality is though, like once there's a will, right? Once there's, once there's a, an argument and a fight and a frustration and a tension, all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, what does it look like to love someone? That's the awareness we need. We need the awareness that, that God loved us undeservingly. This sacrificial love We need the awareness daily to shape our hearts and to renew our minds, to realize that we can can give our lives so quickly and so easily to the passions of our body, to to the desires of our minds, but that's what all of mankind is doing. All of humankind is doing it around us. We allow the gospel to shape our hearts and to renew our minds. Listen, you are lovely because God loves you. You, you specifically, knit you together in your mother's womb, has a purpose and a plan for you. Your one and only life has a purpose. Don't settle for a lesser version. Don't believe the lies. What is it that God has for you? For you. Saved by grace because of the power of God. Because of the power of God, guilt and the power of sin have been defeated by Jesus. Do you live in that freedom? Do you live in that freedom? Or are you captive to your past? Are you captive to yesterday? Are you captive to the regrets of this life? To unmet expectations, to people that have let you down? Do you live in the freedom that's available in Christ? Get this, tomorrow doesn't have to be like yesterday. Tomorrow doesn't have to be like yesterday. This isn't a pep talk. It's not a pep talk. It's perspective clarification. It's God is outside of time. He stepped into time and he is also outside of it. He understands the beginning to the end. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And he's saying, listen, I have a perspective. You don't. I see the whole storyline, the entire meta narrative of your entire life. And I'm telling you, there's a plan and there's a purpose. It's perspective clarification because of the person and work of Jesus. We have been made right with God. According to scripture, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Do we live that way? That's the truth. But we believe lies. We believe lies like super easily because they line up with the narratives in our own hearts and minds. You know why? We think we're unlovable. We think we're unlovable. We know the ways that we've let others down, that we've let ourselves down, that we have even in some ways let God down from our perspective. And when you believe a lie, you give authority and power to the liar. You know that? Think about that just in a practical sense. If you've ever heard someone tell a lie and then you kind of corroborate that, like, oh yeah, I was there too. You're essentially giving them power and authority to continue in their deception. But when you communicate truth, you actually take power from the liar. And so speak truth over your life because Satan is a liar and he wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your potential. And so speak truth over your life until you believe it. Until you believe it, continue to speak the truth of the gospel over your life. Not as like some pep talk in the front of a mirror, like, gosh, darn it, people like me. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the truth of the gospel, that that you are so valuable that Jesus paid a penalty, that he laid down his life, and that the story doesn't end at the grave, but that he rose from the dead that he had victory over sin and death. And that because of that, you are now a child of the living God. The power that is in you is greater than the power that is in the world. Now, that scripture is taken way out of context sometimes. Like, so you're really powerful. 
No, it's not talking about your flesh. It says the power that's in you. It's talking about the Holy Spirit. It's talking about God's presence that is in you at the moment of salvation, that the Holy Spirit in you is greater than the power that is in the world. That's greater than the prince of the air. It's greater than the power of Satan, that God is more powerful than Satan. Not like he's a little bit more powerful. I, I hate that comparison. Like, hmm, he's way more powerful. I get it. Like as if on a bad day, somehow it could tip. Like as if God's dressed in white and Satan's dressed in black. And on any given circumstance, you know, the, the black clothed uh, villain can somehow overpower, you know, the, the hero of the story. That's not exactly what it's talking about at all. Satan is a created being. A created being. So there's no comparison. God is the creator. He is omniscient. He is all powerful. He is all present. And Satan is a finite being that was created by God. Satan, who is a created and defeated being, is looking to destroy you and your potential. And the power that is in you is more powerful than that. And so why would you fall victim to the lies and the carries and the worries of this world? Listen, you're in danger and you don't even know it about that for a second. Is it possible that you are going through the motions of religiosity, but you're spiritually dead? You're like, oh, no, no, but I, but I attend, but I'm active, but yeah. But has the spirit of God awoken your heart to the truth of the gospel? Are you dealing with the, the worries and the cares of this world, literally giving over authority to your flesh and the desires of your mind? Or are you holding those thoughts captive? In the moment of, of sin, because we are human, do we immediately say, God, forgive me. Would you make my heart right? God, I accept your forgiveness. Would you purify my mind and my thoughts? Lord, help me choose righteousness, not because of behavior, but because you have a better story that you're writing in and through my life. You see what I'm talking about? We're often living our lives just Bound, bound by lies. And God's like, don't you see the power that is in you? Don't you see the potential of what I created you to be, who I created you to be, what you're capable of? And we're like, ah, oh, yeah, but I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna make a lot of money someday. Awesome. With that, no, oh, I'm, I'm gonna marry somebody. I'm gonna have 1.2 kids and 2.1 dogs. And I'm gonna, you know, like, I'm gonna live the American dream because that's the goal. What? You're, you're settling for a lesser version of your one and only life. And that's not to disparage wealth or, or even marriage or children or anything like that. It's what has become ultimate in your life. Have you given the ultimate role that only God should possess to something lesser? You're in danger and you don't know it, but there's good news. A well-known pastor and author actually says it best says this, the gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dare hoped. The gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. We are sinners and we are loved. Sinners saved by grace. We have a because and therefore at Centerway. Um, it's one of our um, values, if you will, if you want to use that language. We call them because and therefores and you'll see why when I read it. Uh, it's called love first and it goes like this. Because he first loved us, we value love first. Therefore, we say come as you are and welcome people to belong before they believe because we truly love people. We will speak the truth in love. So we're willing to speak the truth in love. We will call sin, sin, but we also want to love people, to come as you are. We are all broken. We're all in the process of being redeemed. We are all spiritually dead until God makes us spiritually alive. Corporately, we love first. 
but as individuals. It needs to trickle down, right? We can't be like, listen, you should come to Centerway or to whatever church you call home because they love people really well. I mean, I'm super judgmental in a dirt bag, but if you come there, (laughs) they will really love you. Like, there has to be a trickle-down process of disciples of Christ, people that call themselves Christians. As individuals, if we've experienced this love of God and we are spiritually alive, then an outflow of a life transformed by the gospel is to reflect that love to others, that we love others, that we're slow to judge, that we're quick to accept, that that we can forgive people, that we can extend, that we can be the hands and feet of Jesus, that we will sacrificially provide for others. To the point, I mean, Jesus laid down his life, right? Are you willing to go without some monetary thing so that someone else can experience what it looks like to be loved, maybe for the first time in their life? Are you willing to be part of the practical outflow of a life that is transformed? I want this to wreck you so bad. I want it to wreck me. I want it to continue to wreck me. I I don't ever want to, to say, oh, I already know this. I want to be messed up all the time. You know why? Because I haven't stopped being human. (laughs) And so the desires of my flesh and my mind, they're a constant battle. And so I have to speak the truth of the gospel to myself every day to renew my heart and mind so that I won't be so busy about the worries and the cares that I miss the point altogether. And so I want to challenge you as we leave this place that we would consider an application And even as we remain in this place, we would consider an application. I want to ask you this question to ask yourself. How will I reflect the love of God? How will I reflect the love of God? Now, I know for some of you, immediately, you already know what it is. Because that's kind of the way God works. I mean, if that's the case, it's probably something you don't like also. Because that's usually the way it works. It's like, I need to do this. You're like, darn it. I knew I shouldn't have come to church today. (laughs) There's something that you know that the Lord's dropped into your heart. For others of you, you need to contemplate this and you need to consider it. How will I reflect the love of God? I want to challenge you, if you would, just bow your heads. If you want, you can close your eyes. Um, The team is going to come up and I just don't want you to be distracted with movement around the room and, and stuff. So you can close your eyes or keep them open, but just bow your head and contemplate what it would look like to reflect the love of God. For some of you, It's to pursue the truth. What does God actually think of me? And you need to do some research. Like you need to dig into it. You don't like the idea that maybe you're spiritually dead. You don't want to come to grips with that. And so you need to look and say, well, what does God actually say about me as a person? So I I want to challenge you to continue that journey. For others of you, you've lived out that journey and you're at a place where you say, okay, I need to reflect the love of God by accepting the love of God. And so your application looks like response. Accepting the fact that Jesus died for you. And it's a simple prayer. And it doesn't have to be specific or actual like words that you need to repeat. It's just acknowledging what Christ has done for you. Acknowledging his work and saying, listen, I, I was a sinner, but God, you died for me. Would you forgive me of my sins? Come and be the Lord and leader of my life some variation of a prayer like that that will begin a journey of a relationship with the Lord. And if you pray that prayer or some variation of it, I want to encourage you to to pursue next steps, whether it's a conversation at the end of today's gathering with me up here or at the next steps area. Don't allow it to just be a momentary decision, but continue on the journey. If you're not in the room currently and you're watching or listening later or um, I just want to encourage you to reach out via email or the Next Steps page on the website and make some type of connection with us so that we can continue with you as, the journey, as uh, you move forward in the journey that you've made, in the decision you've made. I apologize. For others of us, if you've already crossed that line of salvation, if you're in relationship with the Lord, What does it look like to reflect the love of God? Is it loving someone that that you deem unlovable? Isn't that incredible? (laughs) Like we have people in our lives that we think are unlovable. And yet if we're honest with ourselves, we are unlovable. 
and yet we are loved by God, right? And so if we are loved by God, then how in the world could we ever limit the love and grace and mercy that we extend to others? If we're spiritually alive, like the way we interact with the world around us, it must be different. Not because of our efforts, but because of a transformation that we can't even stop. It's from the inside out. And so some of us have to just surrender and say, Lord, would you do a work in me so that I can love others as you love them? Would you break my heart for the things that break yours? Would you clarify my, my motives so that they would line up with your will? And for others of you in the room today that you're like, listen, I'm there. Like I, I continually ask the Lord to renew my heart and mind and and I think I've, I've done everything I can to reflect the love of God. I want to challenge you, what is the next step? You don't outpace it, right? So what is, does it look like being missional? Does it look like reflecting the love of God by having a spiritual conversation, making an invitation, sharing a, a, a personal story about the way God led you through a season that now you see someone dealing with? What does it look like? How will I reflect the love of God? I want to explain something to you real quick. I'm going to pray a prayer. And when I'm done, uh, we're going to go into a song. And it's a little bit different. It's a, it's a hymn. It's a hymn that was written in the early 1900s. And um, we may na- never actually play this song again. But it's perfect for what it is that was talked about today. And so instead of having you stand and sing, although you're welcome to do that, this first song, I want to challenge you to sit and to reflect. So there's the reflecting that goes outward, but there's the reflecting that goes inward. And so we want to respond by reflecting inwardly. And maybe it means you take out your scripture journal and you journal a little bit. Maybe it means finding a different spot somewhere in the room where you're more away from people and you just concentrate on the words that are being sung or just sitting and reflecting and listening and allowing the truths to settle in your heart. I don't know what it looks like for you, but we want to encourage you to have response look differently in this first song this morning. Let's pray together as we consider the love of God. Heavenly Father, we come before you today And we surrender. We surrender the the motives, the cares, the worries, the things that work us up in this world that, man, they're just just not worth the energy. Because there's there's a larger story that's being written. There's an eternal story at play. Would you awaken our hearts to that? Would you make us spiritually alive today? Would you breathe life into us? Would we experience, Lord, the the depth of your love and your mercy and your grace? We love you, Lord, and we respond to your love today. Let's reflect on this song as we hear it together. i
build my life upon your love. What an amazing statement. Heavenly Father, we, we come before you today and we, we desire to build our life on your love. That that would be the foundation of our life. That would be the, the immovable bedrock of our life. Father, I pray for every person hearing my voice, Lord, that they would understand the depth of your love for them. The depth of, of your knowledge of who they are, who they actually are, and in spite of it all, the love that you have for them. God, would we be transformed by the awareness of your love? And so we declare ourselves available to not only acknowledge and receive that love, but to in fact reflect it to every person we come in contact with. Lord, would you awaken our hearts and our minds that we would live our life according to your will and your way. That every life that we touch would be profoundly impacted by the truth of the gospel. That their hearts would be awakened. God, we want to be a part of what you're doing. So we surrender and declare ourselves available. Pray that you would protect us as we go our separate ways and bring us back again together safely next week for your glory and our joy. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you want to remain, the team will continue to, to play. You can journal if you want, find a quiet spot. If you want prayer for anything, we'd love to pray with you. Um, I'm going to find my way back to the uh, next steps area. If you have any questions about circles or spiritual coaching, I'd love to answer them. Um, otherwise, we'll see you next week. God bless you as you go.